Can you hear me now? <laughs> Rock! Now that, that's the Lucas I know. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with the salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of over $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Adventures in Angular link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by Widgmo 5, a brand new generation of JavaScript controls. A pretty amazing line of HTML5 and JavaScript products for enterprise application development in that Widgmo 5 leverages ECMAScript 5 and each control ships with AngularJS directives. Check out the faster, lighter, and more mobile Widgmo 5. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code AngularAdventures, you'll get a $10 credit. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of the Adventures in Angular show. I almost said Angular something something, I don't even know. Anyway, this week on our panel, we have Lucas Rubelke. Hello. Ward Bell. Howdy do. John Papa. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. So we kind of set this plan in motion. We'll see how it goes. We're going to do kind of a two-parter here, and I'm not sure if the next part's going to be in a week or two weeks, but we're just going to have to see. The first part is the one we're going to do today, and we're just going to talk about kind of where things are at right now with Angular 2, kind of the things that we're looking forward to, the things that we're worried about, some of our experience in just looking over the docs and, you know, trying to set it up initially. And then we're going to go and we're going to do a little bit more deep dive on our own. And then in a few weeks, we will actually come in and with a little bit more experience, talk about what we've run into. So the first one's kind of, hey, we're we're a little bit new to Angular 2, just like everybody else. So we're just kind of looking at where things are going and we're going to talk about what we like and what we don't like and what we see. And yeah, and then the next one will be, hey, look, we uh, were Angular 2 experienced or more experienced, and here's kind of the experience we had. So it's going to be more of an experience report coming up. Yeah, I think that's the way to go, man. And it's really about onboarding. What is? It's not that anybody disagrees or agrees with uh, looking at what Angular 2 is trying to be. It's more from the standpoint of, I'm new to Angular 2. What is the experience today while it's an alpha? to get on board and start using this thing. And I think that's an important place because a lot of developers are there right now along with us. That's funny. I'm new to Angular 2 as well. Everyone hey. is new to <laughs> Angular 2. That is the beauty of it. Yeah. I know Ward's going to skip right to Angular 3, but you know, the rest of us need to go right to Angular 2. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know where the puck is going to be, yeah. you know, or skate there. So I can start us off. And I'm coming from a little bit different place, I think. I think most of you guys do your work on 
a JavaScript backend, and I am much more in the Ruby camp as far as the backend goes. And so I don't spend as much time doing like ES5, ES6 kind of stuff. And then seeing all the options with TypeScript and ES5 and ES6 and Dart and whatever else they're going to support, I'm just not completely, you know, it, it's almost like a dilemma of choice. It's like, which one do I go with and why and how? Especially since the browser does ES5, so everything else is going to transpile anyway. So, yeah, let's start with, you know, what is what is the concept count? So if you're new to Angular 2, but you've done Angular 1, so let's start there. You're an Angular 1, you know, expert, developer of some sort. What is it you have to do to get to Angular 2? You have to start familiarizing yourself with terms that are getting thrown out, like uh, possibly TypeScript or ES6 or Babel or Tracer. Or maybe you have to learn about System.js, this module loading tool that uh, seems to be inherent in where we're heading. Uh, what's CommonJS? And should I be using AMD or that? Or should I be using System.js? And then what about JSPM? There's just there's all these things that are being thrown at us that we kind of have to break down. And I think for me, it's all about how do you start most easily if you're an Angular 1 developer how do I just take one of those things first and say, how do I write Angular, you know, two, and then which of those things do I have to look at? And to just set the table for you, I just did something that I think is kind of interesting. First thing I did, I went to the Angular one homepage, angularjs.org, and I looked at what the very first thing is that it shows you how to do. It has something called the basics if you scroll to it, and it's a single HTML page with a single script tag in it, and it's 14 lines of HTML, and just like that, you have your first Angular app. In contrast, you go to the Angular 2 five-minute quick start, and you've got scrollable page and eight steps, all of which involve enormous amounts of, like, what's this, what's that, what's the other thing? <clears throat> you're not in HTML, you're all over the place, right? Now, that, I don't want to draw any conclusions from that other than that, the, the obvious one, which is if you're, if you're coming fresh to these two things, one of them looks real easy and the other one doesn't. And it's just that simple. So, so let's take the first two steps of the Angular IO quick start that you just mentioned. I did it the other day. And so right in the first step is, you know, you have TypeScript, then they start talking about TypeScript definitions and about this repo called definitely type. So it's like, well, what is that thing? So then I had to go look at that. And then you go into the second step. You know, they got this TypeScript compiler thing with all these flags, you know, watch, hyphen M, comma, JS, hyphen T, ES5, on and on and on. So it's like, well, what do these things even mean? Don't forget it's, Node and NPM, which you might not know. Right, absolutely. And so uh, I think two things is interesting on that is it is a five-minute tutorial if you go straight through it. And you don't actually try to understand it. So if you just type everything out, boom, 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 it's done. But in my case, is I was like, well, what are these things? What do they actually do? As well as actually how much, I think, kind of like pomp and ceremony actually went into actually getting this up and running, which actually had very little to do with <laughs> Angular. On the flip side is once it was finished, I, I actually thought it was fairly elegant, and I actually liked what I ended up with. But there was just such this huge leap of all these other things you had to do in conjunction with actually writing the Angular piece as well. I want to just say that with new technology, even if it's technology that is theoretically version 2 of what I used to in version 1, 
it's nice to have something up and running that I can fiddle with. And so for having something up in five minutes, that's nice. But I completely agree with you on the other stuff. So I agree. So I went through the five-minute thing uh, more than once. And I'll, I will admit, I took longer than five minutes. I know most of those technologies you said, Lucas. I know TypeScript and definitely Type Repo. And I know Node. And I know System.js enough to go through all this. And it took me longer because a lot of this is figuring out what part of the spider webs do I have to connect to the others. And there were always settings that were wrong. And my worst part of it is there was no downloadable sample I could run. Everything is a tutorial of run this, run this, run that. But the other moving part, which nobody talks about, is, oh, wait, you're using TypeScript 5 Beta 2. You need TypeScript 5 Beta 1 to do that. Oh, and this configuration setting is no longer called this. It's called that. And you start getting into this little things are changing because it's alpha. But not only is uh, Angular alpha, but TypeScript features that are supporting it aren't fully released yet. And then some of the stuff with um, just setting up how they all connect together isn't exactly baked. So it's not just that it's a tutorial of many things. It's also hard to find a running sample because a lot of the samples out there, the syntax has changed so much, it's hard to do that. I think it's also only fair to say to, that um, I don't think all of this can be laid at the doorstep of Angular 2. I just went over the Aurelia getting started, and I have, you know, I'm one of those people who thinks Aurelia is pretty elegant. And it, too, is a long, scrollable page involving many of the same technologies that we're talking about. There's no just dropping, uh, you know, dropping something into an HTML page and executing it. And I think what we have to face here is that we are, in making these moves to these new frameworks, we are simultaneously committing ourselves to dealing with things like, you know, ECMAScript 6 in a world that only supports ECMAScript 5, so you have to do transpiling, which immediately gets you involved with some client-side server technology like NPM, you know, like Node. We're choosing this complexity by virtue of trying to move on many fronts forward into a world that isn't here yet. And I, I just don't know that there's an easy way to, to cross that bridge yet. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I agree. I mean, I'm saying these things and there's friction. My, the facts are today, whatever you think of Angular, whatever you think of all the module loaders and all the other tools that are out there, there's friction. It's the fact. I don't know if we can avoid it, though, because whether you do Angular or Aurelia or React or any of the new modern technology frameworks that are coming out, learning these things is inevitable. And I think transpilers is just something we all have to get used to. But it doesn't change that there is friction. And I think there's a huge opportunity here, and I think the Angular team is willing to do this. I know they are, to find a way, as I'm sure Aurelia is too, to polish it to make it easier. You know, let's first get it working. I mean, it's alpha. And then let's polish it so that a lot of the ceremony that you have to do to set this up is easier. So I think that's going to happen. I'm confident it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, then we're all in trouble. <laughs> well, they seem to feel that that's going to be the case because they have a big blue box that begins, this quick start does not reflect the final development process. So I don't think they think this is the way we're going to roll either. Yeah, but the one thing that I am seeing here is that this is the kind of thing that they want people to be doing. In other words, they want people to be writing TypeScript. They, you know, they expect people to be doing a lot of these other things that we're talking about. If they were concerned about, you know, adoption or people being able to, you know, to just reach in and approach it, then they'd be writing it in ES5. And then there wouldn't be all these extra steps. It would just be, 
Okay, you include Angular 2, you include your JavaScript file that has your other Angular code in it, and then off you go. No question. So, yeah, I was going to say, there's, it's the onboarding process, and once you learn Angular, everything's fine, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like Angular 1. Once you learn all these things, everything's fine. And people will say, well, Angular 1 was hard. It's not as hard as Angular 2 in the beginning. Is that's Let me say this another way. Getting started with Angular 1, I can teach just about any developer in under an hour the basics of Angular 1 to get them functional. And, you know, Dan's got this wonderful Angular in 20 Minutes video that he does, Dan Walleen, that, you know, you can really get the basics out of there. Uh, Angular 2, it's not there yet, and it's not just Angular 2, it's it's all the new frameworks. The better side of that, though, I think, and I'm interested what you guys think, is what do you guys feel about these new frameworks moving towards more structured languages like ES5, or sorry, ES6 uh, TypeScripts, annotations, and module loaders. So if I could make a comment to that real quick, John, I think it's a good segue, is JavaScript development as a whole has is, is actually kind of changed a corner where, you know, not too long ago it was just HTML and JavaScript, you'd load it in a browser. But I've just went to, you know, the React site, you know, and there's basically command line tools. If you go to the Aurelia site, there's command line tools, Angular IO command line tools. And so to do kind of any kind of modern JavaScript development is you have to actually learn you know, some of these additional tools in the ecosystem to be effective. And so this is not Angular specific. This is JavaScript development is, is turning a corner. And it's kind of growing up, if you will. And I think it's a very good thing. But I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that the landscape is changing very quickly around these things. Somebody moved our cheese, man. I mean, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And it's okay. I'm actually excited, and I'm, I mean, man, I was up to 2 in the morning last night with Dan Wallin playing around with some Angular 2 stuff with TypeScript and ES6, and we were having a blast, but we were also, uh, you know, wanted to chew my arm off at certain points with some things. It's fun, and I think people need to realize that it's, it doesn't matter if you go to Angular 2, like you said, or Aurelia, or whatever's next, the Lucas or Bilkey framework. Trademark. Whatever comes out, man, it's, it's, this world is changing. It is no longer write a JavaScript, stick it in a file, and run. Absolutely correct. So the thing that I'm wondering then is, does this take this out of the hands of the casual web developer? Or are we leaving behind the casual web developer by assuming that they understand and will use these tools? I think so. I don't think I, that uh, I, I don't think I don't think that this uh, client side application development world. I think that train left a long time ago. As soon as you stop being a script kitty and just making your uh, page a little more lively, and entered the world of trying to build an application that lives on the client for a for a sustained period of time, you entered the world of professional software development, and so, it's goodbye so, to the old script stuff. So the thing that I have to wonder then is, what do we gain by that, and what do we lose? Ah, so let's think about why we're going there, right? Mm-hmm. So in modern web development, we're doing a lot of web development lately with JavaScript and spas, single-page apps, and all this for the last couple of years. What's happening is that's really supplanted the standard enterprise desktop application in a lot of ways. So by doing that, we need to have like DevOps, and we need to have build tools, and we need to have type checking or <laughs> something that does some kind of code quality or linting up front. Uh, we need all these things that, you know, package our modules together and load them on time. And we need quality code. So to do that in the enterprise, I think that's where a lot of these things have really evolved in my mind. It's not for the script kitty. I think that's why these things are here. 
it's evolved and the tooling has fallen behind it. And I think it's a good thing, but it has absolutely changed and it's no longer, hey, I can learn JavaScript in a weekend and I'm a developer. And not only that is, you know, so I think definitely code quality and having, you know, some hooks into, you know, the basic integration, continuous um, integration, et cetera. But also for, I think, productivity and the ability to actually create things at just a breakneck pace. And so I'm a big fan of Ionic. And, you know, so they hook into Grunt and different things is you can generate a mobile app from the command line in just seconds, where years ago that would have been just impossible. And so then being able to deploy this and push this out to, you know, a build server or a web server somewhere. And so one, code quality, but definitely I think this, the speed of development has just exponentially increased as a result of this new and improved tooling, which is really exciting. So that's the upside, right, is that, in fact, if you go talk to any business, their their cost is going to be in their people. And so if you can cut down an hour a week even uh, on a you know large enough team, you're going to save the company a significant amount of money. Furthermore, the developers feel like they get more done. So, I mean, we're, we're gaining by having these kinds of setups, but we're also adding complexity. And, you know, and I think the trade-off is worth it, but, you know, I, I also want to explicitly call it out. So we should talk about what are some of the tangible things people can start with right now to kind of get started. And we've tossed out some terms, but for me, the first step in learning Angular 2 should be still to go out to that Angular in five minutes on AngularIO. Uh, do you guys agree with that? I agree. Yeah, at least you have something you can set up. Yeah, and that's the one demo that you know will be updated to be compliant and compatible as the beta, sorry, the alpha evolves into a beta. The other thing I would recommend, and this is what's helped me the most, is I kind of saw all the terms flying around the system, JS and JSPM and TypeScript and Babel and all this. And What I wanted to figure out is before I do Angular 2, the first thing I wanted to make sure I got was what if I just tried to do Angular 1 with TypeScript or ES6? You know, see, what would that look like? And not just do it in those things, because I've, I've been there, but do it such that I could build that code using modules that ES6 and TypeScript both like, so that when I did go to Angular 2 with my code, I mean, it'd be a rewrite because the syntax is different, but when I go to Angular 2, I'm not coding differently. In other words, use classes, use exports, use modules, use functions uh, inside of ES6 or TypeScript, and see how those work in Angular 1 today. So at least that's something that's baked, and you can learn it and try it now so that that's one less thing you have to learn when you go to Angular 2. That is excellent advice. And to that, um, just an anecdotal story, is uh, Scott Moss actually writes all of his uh, JavaScript, Angular 1, in ES6 using Babel. And as a result, his transition to Angular 2 has been pretty easy to where him and uh, Patrick Jazz, Patrick Stapleton, they were actually showing me where they were able to use a single TypeScript service or a service they wrote in Angular in TypeScript for Angular 1 and Angular 2, which I, I think is really, really interesting. And I'm going to actually be blogging about this very soon, but moving to either writing, just moving your stuff into TypeScript or ES6 using Babel, and just learning how that works and that flow is going to make it just much easier to transition into to Angular 2. Well, Lucas, you just like bang your head into one of the things that's got me confused, which is TypeScript does it this way and has its own transpiler to ES5 or whatever, 
Mm-hmm. And then you're talking Babel, and you're talking Scott, and those guys are doing a combination of TypeScript and Babel. I mean, I've seen that in others, too, and I don't know what that means. That sounds like clashing uh, tool sets. Is that not the case? Is there a way through that morass? So I have not heard a definitive answer on ES6 first TypeScript. Um, I know they use them both. I know Scott personally prefers ES6, but in this particular example that Patrick was showing me is it was the TypeScript example where an Angular 1 app and an Angular 2 app was using the same service, which you know is interesting. So some of these things, I think even people like Scott and, and Patrick are still trying to figure out what they like best, and they don't have firm opinions either. So they're kind of in the same boat as us, is that everybody is a new Angular 2 developer and trying to figure out what works and you know, what's the best and how it's going to look, you know, as we kind of drive this forward. So one of the things that I've, I've been playing with too is trying to figure out, can I do ES5 with Angular 2? And then you tried that? No, but it looked easy. And where did you see that? You talking about ngconf? I was joking, John. <laughs> <laughs> Troll. Well, I'm assuming that it compiles down, but I have no idea how clean that code is because you know, I just run it through the build process and then see that it works. So so the reason I bring that up is I, I remember hearing at NGConf they were talking about how you could do that. And I haven't seen any substantial app doing that yet. But Brian Ford had a really interesting slide about how you could take your Angular 1 app and then start slowly adding in modules in Angular 2. I've yet to see that, but that really intrigues me because that could be a, an interesting migration story. Yeah. But for today, I think I can't imagine writing Angular 2 in ES5. And the reason being is a lot of this stuff is depending upon, uh, you know, the annotations and the classes and how that's working. Um, to me, if I'm going to go to Angular 2, I'm going to go to ES6 and, or TypeScript, one or the other. Yeah, I mean, all of it, uh, obviously, it transpiles to the ES5, so one could do it. You just simply look at the ES5 that's generated and say, oh, why don't I write that the first time? But when you do look at it, you see a lot of what you're essentially doing is taking the function that would have been emitted, uh, you know, that you would write in, in lieu of the class, and then sticking stuff onto it. And that just looks so painful relative to having some tooling do it for you that I wouldn't know why you'd try it. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, so- assuming the overhead's got to be killer and you know all the ceremony to make it behave the same way yeah so i wrote an app last night uh using es6 with angular 2 and and things worked out i mean there were there were struggles it wasn't angular it was trying to get jspm to behave and uh system js and i didn't need jspm but i wanted to try it getting things to work properly with it and transpiling properly uh, but once i got it it was okay and, and things were fine then I tried going over to TypeScript to do it, and I actually found that doing it in TypeScript, I liked the code better. It felt more natural for me to do that. And if I felt like if I was going to use classes and these structured languages anyway, I might as well throw types and annotations in. Well, then you get a twofer, right? Not only do you get the transpiling, but you get the design time assistance that comes with having types and, and tools that understand those types. Exactly. The tooling experience was much better, in my opinion, using the TypeScript to do it at this point to kind of move that forward. And I think, I think I read this and I may get this wrong, but uh, one of our readers or viewers can correct me is TypeScript 1.6, I believe they have on the roadmap to uh, have an option for transpiling and working with the module loader of System.js. Like right now, it's just CommonJS or AMD. I believe System.js is on their list. I do have to say that you saying that you had to kind of wrangle things to get 
JSPM and some of the other tools to get into line, it, it does make me worry a little bit, you know, how hard is it going to be to pull in other tools? I wish it was easier. Um, I, every blog post I read where somebody's trying it or some demo that I've pulled down, they all have something different that they've done. Uh, and they might be subtle things where at first you think this guy is saying the same thing that lady's saying, but then you actually look at the code and one line, some very important line, is very different. And for some reason, because of the point of time where each person grabbed the alpha, uh, it, wor- it both worked. For example, the way that the annotations are exposed from the Angular library and for those of you who don't know, Angular is written in TypeScript, if you go look at the source code. The way the Angular annotations are exposed actually changed at one point in the alphas. And one sample I ran was working because of it, and the other one wasn't. Although I could clearly see that the source code the person wrote the blog post in, it worked at the time when you went back in the GitHub history. Which kind of brings me to my, my next tip is, if you're doing Angular 2 right now, you can almost forget looking at the documentation, in my opinion. Go to the source code. Go right into the GitHub repo, look at what the files are doing and exposing. That's the source of truth. It saved me many times when I was reading someone's sample, trying to figure out how they got it to work. It's because when they wrote it, it looked different. Uh, so the source code has helped me out a lot. Pro tip. Do you have a feeling that that's settling down at all, John, or do you feel like it's just you know, all you see is stuff on the move? Like last week, we learned that NG Model is back. You know, What's your sense? I'd love to say it's settling, but I haven't seen, I don't get a good feeling yet. And again, it's still alpha. Uh, and I'm just being honest. I love Angular. I love what the team's doing. I just feel like, and rightly so, they need to get it right before they go live. So I'm willing to give them that flexibility now saying, you know what? Let's tinker with it. Change the API. Uh, make it better. Reduce the friction. For example, having to list out every directive that I have on a view. I have some views that have 20 directives on them. And I've got to list 20 directives now in my view, uh, my component. Yeah, I heard, that's that a pain. They had, I heard they had something where you could write, a, you, you could refer to something that itself wrapped those up, sort of nested. Did that, is that not yet available? I've also heard that. I haven't seen it, though. So you're, you're scaring me, John, uh, and, <laughs> and, and well done. But I'm going back to your sort of uh, what, how to get best prepared for Angular 2. And you're leading me back towards maybe what I should try and see is what some of this new world looks like as I try and write NG1. Maybe that's the place I should, if if I'm coming to this, I should be thinking about in terms of preparing myself for NG2 rather than trying to both master the tooling and deal with a moving target. What's your sense of that? I think, to me, that's the way it's going. I dove head first. So let me let me try to share a learning with no water in the bottom of the pool you dove head first into an (laughs) empty pool i did i'm like you know what hey i'm an angular experienced dude i can just take this stuff and run throw it at me jspm system js i got ward bell with me i can do anything yeah it's it's diving head first and you know i said at first throw it all at me let me try it out experienced angular guy and i went down there i'm like all right i know typescript i've done this for years and TypeScript recently changed, right, because it absorbed AtScript. So there's things there that I had to go figure out how to use. And then, you know, that's still evolving, coming out. And then System.js was brand new to me, so I had to go figure out how to use that. Uh, and then how to connect those two to the evolving APIs of Angular. And then really understand, not it's not the syntax that's hard. It's the, what is it I'm supposed to be doing to do what I used to do? You know, there's no controller or scope, so how do I get a class and a component and a view to work together? And the mistake I think I made was trying to get it all to work at the same time. So 
what I would do in hindsight is what I'm doing now is, hey, step back. Let me make sure I grok ES6 and TypeScript modules first, because that's kind of at the heart of a lot of this stuff. And once you get that, I think you can do that with Angular 1 now. I know you can. And I've got some repos that we can share in the show notes to do it. The next step is go look up System.js and how it works. Uh, it's pretty baked. It's not too hard to learn on its own. And a lot of different libraries are using it. I think Aurelia is using it, isn't it, Ward? Yes, it is. Yeah, they're using JSPM. And I've I've had no trouble making the existing Breeze NPM modules accessible to JSPM, too. So it's not... The good thing, the good news there is that it doesn't uh, cut you off from everything that already exists. It's, it, it incorporates it with just a little, a little boost here and there. Yeah, so I think I'd learn each of these one at a time and you know, look at them separately. None of these are tied directly to Angular, but I think this is the new environment. Just like, think about two years ago when people were still learning you know, what Gulp were and NPM and Node. and you know, It's been around for years, but mainstream like two years ago, this really hit. So I think even people who learned Angular and had to learn, they had to learn something else along the way. So I always look at it as learn one thing at a time. So I was going to ask you guys, would you guys recommend building an app with Aurelia, Angular, uh, any of these new, Angular 2, for example, uh, now? If you're starting an app now, what would you guys do? For me, I have to say that I am actually kind of tempted to try and build an app with Angular 2. But... I'm not going to do it for any of my clients. For me, it's going to be, what does this look like? It's going to be an experimental case. If I were going to go into client you know, stuff, I'd stick with Angular 1 at this point. I might be tempted to try and do it in TypeScript or something like you're talking about. But, I mean, overall, I just don't feel like Angular 2 is quite production-ready, and I don't want to hold up any discussions of what value can be added because there's something that's not quite right in Angular 2. I think that's a good plan and approach, and to, to kind of back that up, things like just making an HTTP request from Angular 2 right now, from the notes I've read and the things I've had to do, it's not as clean as it's going to be. They're still mm-hmm. evolving that piece. So I think it's a great time to, to experiment and get ready, whereas three months ago I don't think I would have recommended anybody look at what's going on because it was too much evolving. I think it's settled down enough at this point where Anybody who has serious thoughts of getting into Angular 2 in the near future should at least grab the, uh, the sample codes, go through that five-minute quick start, and start getting yourself familiar with um, you know, ES6, TypeScript, and System.js. I have to wonder a little bit, and you know, maybe some of you guys can speak to this, but if I have some time that I can dedicate to getting ready for Angular 2, you know, how much time do I spend on the current iteration of Angular 2 before I'm wasting my time versus doing something like, uh, you know, Angular 1 and TypeScript or, you know, some of the other ideas that we've had. I guess it's, it all depends on which time you have, right, Charles? <laughs> so. uh, yeah, ultimately, yes. But, I mean, you know, I, well, can, I another... can get in and start building something with Angular 2, but if half of what I learn changes out from under me by the time they're done, then I don't know if that's really necessarily a great use of my time. I think learning, you know, kind of the ecosystem and some of these things surrounding Angular 2 is definitely not going to be a waste of time. So learning ES6, learning TypeScript, learning uh, JSPM, I think those are good investments for things that are going to happen in the future. And so I would say if somebody's leery about starting Angular 2 right now is I with confidence could say, well, that's fine, but definitely ramp up on... ES6, TypeScript, and some of the philosophies 
around them and some of the programming decisions that you're going to have to learn and start to implement. And that will better prepare you for when Angular 2 is at a place where you feel it's stable and you're comfortable enough to start actually writing in it. Since those things are sort of orthogonal to the choice between Angular 1 and Angular 2, I say sort of, uh, would you then recommend uh, uh, learning those things in the context of an Angular 1 app? Yep. I think that's a great... I think you can start writing Angular 1 apps in ES6 or TypeScript right now, and I think people should start doing that. Yes, absolutely. And we had, we had a great show with Dan Wallin where we talked about that, and one with uh, Scott Moss, too, and from different angles, TypeScript and ES6. Let me flip the bit a bit, meaning... Instead of railing on what's kind of wrong with it right now, let me tell you what's right. I do think learning Angular 2 right now is a good thing. I don't think it's a waste of your time, Chuck. The things I've been learning in Angular 2 are what are the concepts. There's going to be something that's going to show a view. There's going to be things called components, which will are basically classes. Uh, so learning how those things work together, that I don't feel is going to change learning how the annotations work and why they're there and how they're metadata on those components, learning how the directives kind of tie into the components in uh, Angular 2, forgetting about the exact syntax. This syntax is going to change, and who cares, man? I mean, syntax changes, we evolve with it. But that's the part I expect to be different and evolve. What I don't expect will change, and the value that I'm getting out of my experimentation and having fun is I'm learning what these concepts are and overall, I like the vision of where it's heading. I like the idea of what it's doing because in the end, we're going to get a more performant application. And I feel like it's going to be something that I will be able to write at design time and know it's going to work without having to press run to go, oh my gosh, am I going to get an error in the console window? So I do think there's value here, but you have to be prepared to, uh, you know, to be dragons ahead. There's things that are not going to work. So, John, let me push on this a little bit. I mean, that all sounds great for personal growth, and, and many of our listeners are interested in, in growing their technical chops and being on the front lines and all that. You know, Charles voiced, hey, you know, i got to make a living here. Is there a way in which what you're doing here has a, even a, a halfway justification in terms of, like, going to your boss and saying, this has value to you, boss, uh, the fact that I'm doing this? How, how might you explain that? I think the stuff that, the way you explain that is, I think the stuff that Luca just pointed out, that works whether you're in Angular 2 or not. I think that's where you start. You learn the ecosystem, you learn the concepts, you learn those tools in ES6 and TypeScript. That has value today in your corporation, a lot of value. Uh, there's people uh, like a good friends like Jeremy Lickness and Dan Wallin and myself. We've been doing TypeScript for years with Angular, and it works. I think the second step of, hey, boss, can I go write an Angular 2 app and learn Angular 2 because that's going to be a value to us uh, in six months or a year, I think that one's a little more edgy at this point. It's still to be seen what the end product's going to be, but I think you can easily make the business case to say, we need to start looking at ES6 now. We need to look at TypeScript. We need to understand System.js. We need to know what Gulp and Grunt and Node are. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, you're going to come out of it at least with some nice power tools, right? Is the way I look yeah. at it. You're going to have your, your power drill. You're not going to have to hammer anything in anymore because you've got an error. Uh, air compressed, uh, nail gun or brad gun. I mean, so, you know, you, you have the power tools. And then I, I really liked your point that, you know, we can learn new APIs. I, I remember when they first announced that they were moving away from certain aspects of Angular 1 and Angular 2 at NG Europe and people were all up in arms because it was all changing. But the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of the concepts are staying the same, 
they're just, you know, they're just functioning a little bit differently and some of them are more explicit and others are less explicit than they used to be. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're smart people. They're listening to what we have to say. And so if the APIs change, I mean, we can pick that up. And the, the good news is there's people out there uh, like Dan. Well, I mean, I'll keep leaning on him because I think there's people like him that we can look to. As, as an average developer doesn't have time to look at any of this stuff, there are plenty of people like Joe Weems or Dan or some of us who are exploring these. And over the next couple of months, we're going to have blog posts and articles and videos on showing people, okay, this video I'm making that's an hour long, I spent 100 hours trying to figure out how to get here. But here's a one-hour example of how you can do this. Yep. Yeah. So there's people smoothing the roads for you, uh, for those of you who don't have time to get into it. So let me, tr- let me tr- try this little business case for why your boss should empower you to look at that at NG2, at least to some extent. And it's the same one that I use for why I'm looking at um, Microsoft's ASP.NET 5. Namely that at, at every point, uh, my business is trying to figure out whether it, should, whether it should stay the course, how long it should stay the current course, and when it should think about, plan, should be planning to make the move. Now, I can wait for somebody outside to tell me, but you know that my organization trusts me to give them the real skinny on where does this stand, how close is it, when should we think about making the move. And the only way I can answer that is, I mean, much as I love all the guys that you're talking about and I'm going to read all their stuff, I, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable going to the boss and saying, well, Dan or John says, without having had a taste of it myself. So that may be the re, you know, how, how you can justify the, you know, to the boss that they should give you at least a certain amount of time to be that Yeah, but you got, you also... And I agree, and you should never just read somebody's post and say, I'm going to go do this because someone did it. Mm-hmm. You should read the post, then you should go try it yourself, and then make your own determination. But and poke around I, the edges of it a little. But I don't think that everybody has the luxury of today. I'm playing both sides of this coin on purpose. I don't think everybody has the luxury today of saying, hey, I'm going to go spend 20 hours or 40 hours this week playing with the technology we may never use. I wish everybody could do that. And that's part of my job at my location, where I do, so it's fun. But, man, that'd be awesome if we could all do that. No, I, I'm, I'm totally agreeing with you. But I do think some of us are tasked with, with knowing where the frontier is. And, yes. and yet we can't, like, there was a time I wouldn't have taught, even though I'm tasked with knowing what the frontier is, I wasn't going to touch NG2. Even though I know what the frontier is, I wasn't going to mess around with ASP.NET 5 because uh, that was a total waste of time. Now what I'm hearing is, okay, it's close enough that we would actually be able to report back with something, with some useful knowledge. Yes. Yeah, I mean, early on, just a couple months ago, not even, or maybe it was five, six months ago, the router wasn't working and the data binding wasn't working and you couldn't make HTTP calls. And It's like when you're breaking all the P's, not breaking, but when they're not there yet, it's hard to look at something fairly and evaluate it. Now enough of the framework is in place where I feel like you can make enough of a judgment call to get an idea of, how is this thing going to form? It's kind of like one of those, have you ever seen one of those pictures where somebody like starts materializing a picture in front of you, like on a video screen, and you're trying to guess what this thing's going to be, and when it's fully formed, kind of like, a, hey, you know, that's Ariel from Little Mermaid, or whatever it is. So they're kind of, pieces are falling into place for this diagram, and I think there's enough of those pieces there now where you can make your own evaluation to say, I know where this is heading, and it interests me, or I know where it's heading and it doesn't interest me. Um, and then you can kind of go play with it. So if I can, because I know our time is moving, I'd like to think about how we can take this discussion and the things we've kicked around here 
and make some um, proposals about what we would do if we came back in a week or two and, and told everyone at home uh, what we had learned about these two directions. The one being making, bringing sort of TS and some of the modern tooling together with Angular 1 and then first steps in Angular 2. Do we want to say anything about what we think we'll come back with in a, in a week or two, what kinds of things we'll be able to talk about? I think uh, it'd be great for us. I know personally I'm going to be exploring TS TypeScript with Angular 1 a little bit more, uh, and I can kind of report back of not just using it with TypeScript, but also using it with the mindset of how would I also prepare myself to go to 2, and uh, how do the modules work, how would I architect my Angular code, get away from functions so much as move more to classes with it. But also, I want to look more into how can I get TypeScript, how can I write TypeScript with Angular 2 now with System.js and kind of connect all the dots better in an easy way that isn't a scrollable long web page. That's kind of my short-term goal. I like that agenda. I'd like to be able to come back and say, here are the top five lessons learned for for going Angular 1 with a new set, and here are the, here are the top five lessons learned just to try and bring up a, a to-do sample in Angular 2. I yep. think that would be a good... Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'd, I'd love to come back and be able to report what we know and don't know uh, as a result of those exercises. My goal would be to take kind of the ecosystem that exists around you know Angular 2 and apply that to an Angular 1 app and then kind of establish a point A to point B from an NG1 app to an, an Angular 2 app. And so for me, I'm interested, like, how can I take these concepts and use the, these right now? So I think just learning some of the tooling around it and applying it immediately is pretty compelling to me. All right, people, you've heard it. We're going to come back to you with how far we made it down these roads. <laughs> yep. So stay with us. Right, Chuck? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have as deep experience as you guys, so I may come away with some different takeaways than you do. But I'm planning on doing more or less what John and Lucas said. I'm planning on listening to what they have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I have a a repo or something you can download uh, and actually touch it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll have some repos, and I'm I'm hoping that we'll have some side conversations so that we're able to um, say something fruitful. Yeah, so if anybody's looking, in the meantime, I've already got some repos up there. If you go to github.com slash johnpapa, uh, there's a couple of repos. They're totally playgrounds, but one of them's called Hot Towel Angular TypeScript. And I've got a couple branches on there with variations of a very simple app that I'm writing for Angular 1 with TypeScript. And then also I've got one called ng2play, which is completely raw and unfiltered. And it's me playing as I go uh, with various use cases. So... I definitely recommend people, if you're doing this stuff, put it publicly up on GitHub, too, and let's all tinker together. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Lucas, you want to start us off with picks? Sure. So I recently read a book called The Phoenix Project, which, if anybody has ever read The Goal by, I'm not going to say his name right, Eliyahu and Goldrat, it's a, kind of a seminal business book on, on kind of lean production. And he introduces the theory of constraints in this book. Well, the Phoenix Project is essentially like an IT DevOps version of this book, and it's super fascinating. And so I just finished it. I think it's good for anybody who works with a, a large team, and especially on like enterprise-type software. It was, it was definitely interesting. All right, John, do you have some picks for us? I think we've had plenty of uh, technical picks today, so I'm going to lay off of those ones and, and just pick my 
favorite pick here, which is my favorite TV show lately, and it's called Arrow. Uh, I really got into it last year, and it's uh, I'm not a big DC fan, but I've always been a fan of uh, Arrow, and the TV show is really good. It's been interesting for me to get through, and uh, it's definitely a little dark at times, but uh, definitely really intriguing. And if you're looking for something that kind of keeps you moving, check it out. All right. Ward, do you have some picks for us? Yeah. By the way, wasn't the Phoenix program some kind of slash and burn thing that we did in Vietnam? It's freaking me <laughs> out to hear to hear that. It was a some neutralizing the Viet Cong thing, which maybe you just have to be of a certain age to remember that. Yeah, that's what's freaking me out, is you said that we did in Vietnam. I'm like, well, yeah, we weren't there. Yeah, well, sorry, I I wasn't around, but maybe yeah. you did. Well, <laughs> I'm, Ward, I'm thank just... you for serving. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, so uh, shifting gears, I want to talk about uh, my my favorite sci-fi movie of the last six months, which is X. Well, I pronounce it X Machina. And I saw it with Dan, actually, Dan Lillian. And it's a brilliant psychological drama uh, around AI and the Turing question, you know, is this machine human or not? Where all the characters are lying, and you know that, but how much are they lying? And what are the consequences? And um, it's not a shoot 'em up It's really a tight, taut, psychological drama with lots of twists and turns, and I highly recommend it. Ex Machina. So I have a pick this week, and it's kind of a short uh, rant. And, and mainly it's it just comes out of me thinking about things in life. But basically I've been in a couple of situations where people have sort of gone on this rant, I don't want to have anything to do with such and such a person, because they are affiliated or believe such and such a thing. And I just want to encourage people instead to go ahead and take the opportunity to talk to people who have opinions that are vastly different than yours. Um, I feel like we all learn and gain ground from those conversations. A lot of times we'll find that we have things in common and then we can from there, you know, tease apart the differences that we have, realize that you know, maybe neither side has all of the answers, but at least we can recognize each other as, as human beings and also see that, okay, well, given their background or given their value set, that they, you know, they may have a reasonable way of reaching the conclusion they did, even though I don't agree with it. And especially where things are starting to heat up in the U.S. for, like, presidential campaigns, we had a whole bunch of people, you know, throw their hat in the ring for that. I also hear people having conversations about religion and screaming and yelling about people's uh, religious or non-religious beliefs. I just feel like that there are some conversations that can be had there that may get us closer to finding resolution to that instead of insisting that we must be right and they must be wrong. So anyway, that's kind of what I've been thinking about. It's a little bit deep for a tech podcast, but uh, you know, don't sell yourself short by just talking to people you agree with. Go, to, go find some people who you disagree with and, and find out what they're about and why they think and believe the way that they do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm totally cool that you're a Rails developer. <laughs> so, like, literally, like, uh, I'm cool with that, bro. All right. Well, I, I'm glad you could uh, look past that. All right. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my pick. And, uh, yeah, I guess we're done. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking about this again in a week or two or three. And uh, we'll wrap up the show. We'll catch you all next week. 
This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today. 